Well, all right, everyone. Good to see you guys. Here's the good news about Hurricane Florence. It postponed my rotator cuff surgery, so I was kind of happy about that. I decided the night before um, we were talking about it, it was going to be hard to be chainsawing branches with my arm in a sling, right? But uh, it's so good to see you guys. We are uh, praying for our friends in North Carolina, and I have been talking to some ministry partners of how we're going to partner and help with the North Carolina. Um, uh, one of my ministry partners here locally contacted me uh, this week, and we'll be help letting you know how we're going to help in North Carolina. Amen? God's put us here to serve our world. I want to jump in here, and let's continue our series on breaking free. And I want to talk today about how to break an addiction. And let me start off by saying this. I think every one of us as present, there is something in our lives that has a hold on us that needs to be broken. And we may, we may put a different lingo on it and we'll say, oh, addiction is only for those who are addicted to alcohol or addiction is only those who are on opioids or prescription drugs or whatever else. But you can be addicted to spending. You can be addicted to video games. You can be addicted to ministry. You can be addicted to so many things, and so we want to talk about that today, and we're going to jump in here really quick, and we're going to steamroll this morning. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19, listen to these words. They are slaves of destructive habits. For a man or a woman is a slave of anything, say with me, anything, that has conquered him. And so I want to give you nine biblical steps from God's Word. The acronym BREAK FREE is what we're going to be following here. And let's start with the B in BREAK FREE. If I am going to break an addiction, I must begin today. Start right now. Begin right this moment. Proverbs 27 and verse 1 says these words. It says, never boast about tomorrow because you don't know what will happen between now and then. So we don't want to say tomorrow. We don't want to say next week. We don't want to say next month. H have you ever noticed how many people are always going to start a diet tomorrow? They're never starting a diet today, but they're always starting a diet tomorrow. All of us have done that. We, we need to stop programming our minds to say this phrase, one of these days. We must stop procrastinating, stop postponing, start putting it off. Here's why, because it's going to be less easy tomorrow than it is today. It's going to be harder to change tomorrow than it is right now. That habit, that hold, that addiction that has you today isn't going to get weaker tomorrow. It is going to hunker down even stronger and get a stronger chokehold on your life. So we got to begin today. Postponing it usually makes a problem, a habit, a hurt worse. The wisest man who ever lived wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11, verse 4, it says, if you wait for perfect conditions, do I have any perfectionists in the house besides myself right here? Any other OCDers in the house besides myself? 
All right, we can admit that. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. If you watch Wavy TV 10, you'll get nothing done. Because it's going to tell you it's going to rain, you'll change your problem, you'll change your, 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 your plans, and then it won't rain. Here's what happens. We often wait for the perfect condition. I'm going to wait to the new year, and then I'll turn over a new leaf. Or I'm going to wait till Monday, because if I wait till Monday, it's the start of a new week, and I'll start there. Or, or maybe I'll wait till Yom Kippur, or whatever it is. And here's the reality. If you wait for the perfect condition, you'll never do it. we got to begin today. And the person who wants to change will find a way today to begin it. And the person who doesn't want to find a way today to do it, they'll find an excuse not to do it. Woo, that's good preaching, Roger. So, don't wait. Begin today. You've been enslaved by the heroine too long. You've been, sla- you've, been, you've been kept in captivity by the negative thought pattern too long. Begin today. Let me pause right here. I love you guys. I love you with my heart. I love you with my person. I love you. And so if I, if, if I am speaking strongly and bluntly today, know it's, I'm, I'm the parent on the edge of the curb saying, Johnny, watch out for that car. So if you hear the emphaticness of my voice, it's not I'm angry. It's I, I'm concerned and I'm saying, hey, I'm looking out for you. Shark, shark in the water. The lifeguard isn't angry. He's trying to get you out of the water. The R in the acronym Break Free stands for Refuse to blame others. So if I'm going to break an addiction, I begin today, and second, I refuse to blame others. The book of Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 3 states these words. It says, some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions. You mean the Bible says that? Some translations say foolishness, but yes, by their own stupid actions, and then they blame the Lord. Have you ever done something silly and then blamed it on God? I have. Have you ever just messed up and instead of taking personal responsibility, you blame the Lord or you blame the devil or you blame someone else? This is as old as the creation of mankind. When God made Adam and God made Eve and they messed up, here's what happened. The woman blamed the devil. The devil, the serpent made me do it. And the man blamed God. He said, the woman, God, that you gave me, caused me to do this. He didn't blame Eve. He blamed God for giving him Eve. So my question is, who are you blaming? Are you blaming your parents for giving you too much tapioca pudding? Are you blaming your husband? Are you blaming your wife? Are you blaming your teachers? Are you blaming your children? Are you blaming your boss? Are you blaming the devil? Are you blaming the father? To break free. I've got to right now, beginning today, to accept responsibility for my life, and I've got to stop excusing myself and accusing others. Did you catch that? I've got to stop excusing myself and accusing others. I've got to stop passing the buck. Because what happens, as long as I blame someone else, I am not taking personal response 
responsibility, and we all do it. And what is responsibility? It is the ability that you as God's creation have to respond. You have, you're not bound by Pavlov's theory like the dog is when you show him a treat and he salivates and you ring a bell and he comes for a treat. You have the ability to choose a response. And so responsibility says, I begin today. Responsibility says, I want to be free. Responsibility says, I'm not going to allow this to keep me in captivity any longer. Responsibility says, it may have been a horrible past or it may have been a horrible family life, but I am not going to blame it there and excuse myself. Lamentations. Let's go on to to the E in the break free. The E says, examine my life. So I, I want to begin today, I want to refuse to blame others, and then I, I want to begin to examine my own life. And this is hard, because here's what happens. I don't know if you're like me, but everyone else is messed up. I just have personality. Everyone else has issues and sins. I just have idiosyncrasy. It's who makes me unique. But we've got to examine our lives. The book of Lamentations, verse 3 and 40 says, Let us examine our ways. Circle the word examine in your notes or in your Bible. Let us examine our ways and test them. Circle test. And return to the Lord. Let us examine our our ways. One man said the only life worth living is the life worth And so the examined life is a life worth living. And so we're called to examine our own ways and we're called to test our own ways. Here is why, because our hearts, it's not in your notes, but our hearts are deceitfully wicked. There's oftentimes we will give even our motives, think our motives are good, and they, it deceives us. So we've got we to examine it. We've got to look and say, take a personal inventory and take an internal audit and have a frank, a, a frank evaluation and look at my life and say, what are my weaknesses? How long have I had this problem? Where am I tempted the most? What are my fears? What are my frustrations? And we've got to have a frank evaluation and a personal inventory looking at our lives. If you've ever worked in retail, you know what it's like every year to have that inventory to know what you have on hand. And there's times you've got to stop and look at your life and take a personal inventory before God and say, where am I really? Because here's what happens. If we don't do that, we're masters at self-deception. We're masters at lying to ourselves. Psalm 32 and verse 4 says, My dishonesty made me miserable, and it filled my days with frustration until I finally admitted my sins. And stop trying to hide them. And what happened? And God forgave me. All of my guilt is gone. 
You see the beauty there? When we stop pretending and we stop covering up and we, we come face to face with our faults and, and bring our faults face to face with God and we, we stop hiding the hurt and we stop covering up the hang up and we stop excusing the habit and we bring it before God and we stop denying it. Listen, denial prevents healing. Can I tell you for 10 years I've told myself my rotator cup doesn't hurt? Can I tell you with every push-up, I would say no pain, no gain, do it some more? Can I say I'd pick something up and would ache and say it'll go away someday? And has the pain gone away? People that tell you time heals all wounds, they lied to you, time heals nothing. Oh, yes, it does. Then instead of having surgery, go to the doctor's office and sit in the waiting room and do nothing and wait and wait and wait and you'll walk out with the same thing you walked in with because waiting heals nothing by itself. Now, if we give our time to God, God can use time. But typically what happens is time typically works against us. Denial prevents healing. But God says, if you admit it, if you come before me and say, here I am, I confess you, I am before you, and you say, I've got this problem, I've got this issue, what happens is God opens up his arms wide. He receives you, and he loves you, and he accepts you, and he forgives you beautifully. He forgives you. And then he does something else. He wipes away the guilty stain from your heart and your life. But you got to come to him. And you're not going to come to him until you take a personal evaluation. I have found as a pastor, sometimes I've got to get a person lost before I can get them found. Because a lot of people don't know they need a Savior. Because we all think we're good. We all, oh, this is a great message, Pastor Roger. Way to beat me up on a Sunday. Andy just told me in our, our partner's class, which is our membership class, he goes, I love coming to Exalt Church because he said, I walk out feeling good. Andy, I'm sorry, buddy. But I, I'm going to get you lost for a moment. If I can get you lost and realize you are lost, have you ever been hiking to the woods and you're lost and don't know it? You don't know to seek for help because you don't ask for directions because you don't know you're lost and you're oblivious and you're lost. But once you realize you're lost, you can consult the map. And once you know you're lost, you can ask the ranger. And once you know you're not in the right place, you can start tracking your way by the stars if you know how to do that. But without knowing you're lost, you're oblivious. I'm here to tell you, sometimes we are caught in a habit or an addiction and we're lost and we're self-self-deceived and we don't even know it. But when you wake up and you realize I'm caught and you realize this has happened, then stop and ask the ranger, Jesus, Father, God, I need you. I come to you. I bring this to you. I lay it at your feet. And here's what happens. He forgives and he begins to work and he cleanses and he starts a work in us that only he can do and he can finish. Examine your life. Where am I slipping? Where am I off course? Where am I missing it? And keep short accounts with God. 
So the A in the acronym BREAK3 is a very simple one, but it's hard in some ways too because it requires us to ask. Ask Christ to take over my life. I want you to listen carefully and, and watch this. The book of Romans, chapter 6 and verse 12, I love how the living Bible says it. Don't let sin control your body any longer. Don't give in to its sinful desires, but instead give yourself completely to God, every part of you, to be used for His good purpose. One of the biggest solutions, or I should say the solution to any addiction, is to choose the right master. You are going to be controlled by something. There, there, listen, something is going to control your life or somebody is going to control your life. Other people is going to control your life, other time schedules, other addictions, food, drugs, alcohol. Something is going to control your life. So either we're going to serve somebody or we are going to serve the master. And so the way to break free is to change masters and say, I refuse to have sin control my life any longer. I refuse to have this issue control my life any longer. I will now bow the knee to only one. And the person I bow my knee to is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask him to come in and take every area of my life. We become masters at compartmentalizing things. We all do it. We compartmentalize this area. I give this part to you, Jesus. I give you that part, Jesus. I give you that part, Jesus. But I keep this one to myself. I hide it to myself. And he says, listen, ask Christ to take over your entire life. Ask him to take control of your life. Ask him to be the Lord, the king, the director, the CEO of your life. Ask him to call the shots. Surrender your life to God and say, I will bow my knee to nothing but you. I will fear no man. I will fear no other. But I will bow in fear to you. My life is in your hands. You say, God, work in my life. Work in this area. Invade every room of my life. Invade every compartment of my mind. Invade every compartment of my family. God, invade every compartment of our church. And so, instead of being controlled by something else, we're saying, God, have control of my life. You're the king. You're the Lord. Here I am, and here's the reality. Either we willingly bow our knee to him now or there'll come a time that we will forcefully have to bow our knee. Bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ now. Very practical. The K for break free is simple, but we need to remember it. Keep away from the temptation. Romans 13, 14, the Bible says in the Phillips translation, don't give any chance 
for the flesh to have its fling. Don't give any chance of that part in you that hates God to do what it wants. Starve it. Kill it. Don't give it attention. Don't feed it. Don't tease it. Don't play with it. Because that cute little grizzly bear, that's a cute little cub that you pet and you love, is still a wild animal. If you don't want to get stung by the bees, don't play with their hive. Write that one down. Tweet that one. I'm teasing. Don't put yourself in tempting situations. So in other words, if you have a drinking problem, don't stock your bar with beer. Now, if you can have a glass of wine and a beer and you don't have a drinking problem, fine. But listen, if that's a challenge in your life, don't stock the bar. Don't go to the club. Don't buy the six-pack and tell me how strong you are. Do you know how many, I don't counsel people as the lead teaching pastor, but do you know how many times over the years I've heard this phrase, it all started when I had too much to drink. If you have problems with lust, get a filter on your internet. Do something proactive. Don't put yourself in tempting situations. But guard it. Be proactive. If you know there are sharks in the water and you have a bleeding cut, don't go in the water. Proverbs 24 and 27 says this. Plan carefully what you do. Avoid evil. Avoid it. We got to plan to avoid temptation. We've got to decide in advance to live a pure life. We've got to decide in advance how we're going to walk in freedom. If you don't have a plan, by default, you will fall into weakness. If you don't plan your schedule, Just like in life, if you don't plan your schedule, someone else will do it. In my personal life, if I don't cut out Monday morning and Monday afternoon and write my message as I do every single Monday, I will be putting out fires all Monday long. I shut the phone off, the phone isn't answered. What if someone has a heart attack? Well, I'm sorry, I'm with the Lord and I'm writing a message. I mean, that sounds horrible, but the reality of it is, if you don't have something put in your life, There's always an emergency, some real, some not real, that will overtake what you're supposed to be doing. So with temptation, if we don't plan to be pure, we won't be pure. So the time to plan to be pure, teenager, is not when you're parked in the park on a dark alleyway out in the country and say, now I'm going to be pure, help me Jesus. That's not the time to be with your girl parking and making out with her on the sofa and put the Bible between you and say, don't crawl over, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm going to tell you, he's going to crawl over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
You, are, are you with me? Either you plan or give into your glands. This is what happens when I don't preach for a week, guys. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Tommy, get the hook ready, buddy. You meant to hook me off of here. So you got a plan. You know I love you, right? You got a plan. You, you, you got a plan before sitting in the bar to ask yourself the question Am I going to drink? If you have a problem with alcoholism, you don't need to be in the bar. And probably, my friends, if your husband has a problem with alcoholism, you probably shouldn't have alcohol in your house, even if you can handle it. I'll let you work that out. You guys are adults, but protect one another. Plan your dates. Plan your budget. Plan your life. Ephesians 4.27 says this way. It says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't put yourself in those situations. Sometimes this may mean you, you may need new friends. Sometimes this may mean you need to change jobs. Sometimes it might. Sometimes it might mean that you have to flee a temptation. Now, I am not an Amish person. All right, I wasn't raised by the Amish, although they lived eight miles from me growing up. I understand I live in the real world. I haven't, I, even though I have been in ministry the majority of my life, I have also been at times in my life worked in the professional field, and at times I have been um, in situations where in the professional field uh, that I've been bivocational or for a season working. And I understand that in those situations, I had to work with other people that weren't guys, that were women, and I'd have to be in an office alone. What do you do in something like that? Something just as casual as I would crack the door open. I'd keep the door open. I would open up a window. I was pastoring one church, and we, they had me in a nice office up front, and I had to move offices and back in the back of the building, and I mean, it, it was a prison of a room, I'm telling you, and it had a stained glass window. I felt really holy, and what did I do? I told the handyman, put me a window in, put me a window. One day, I had a secretary, and she wanted, we were, the team, we were going to go have uh, dinner at Ruby Tuesdays, and she was a nice person. She was my assistant, and said, hey, I will ride with you, and you know what I did? I grabbed the first gray hair slash purple hair lady on my staff and said, you're coming too. Let's make it a party. Why? Did I trust her? Yes. Did I trust me? Yes. But I don't trust the devil. I didn't get a good enough amen on that. You got to flee. You got to put a foothold. Listen, guys, we can't rebuke lust. Oh, spirit of hormones, I rebuke thee. Oh, spirit of the top 10 model, I rebuke you. Oh, spirit, demon of lust, get thee behind me. There's a lot of jokes I could go there. I'm not going to go there. But let me say this. 
in the Bible, God's cure for lust is one thing. He says, flee it. Run from it. Don't talk to it. It will out-talk you. Hallelujah. Don't talk to it. Don't rebuke it. The story from the oldest part of the Bible, it's not in the notes, but the oldest part of the Bible, there was a guy named Joe, Joseph. And he was God's man. And God worked in his life, and he was a dreamer and a visionary, and God had great plans for him. He was a little arrogant because he told his plans and his dreams to everybody. He probably shouldn't have done that. He kind of flaunted how he was his dad's favorite. He probably shouldn't have done that. But he was a teenager, and he did, some, he did some silly things. And it came to a point in life that he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And down the line, he got hired, actually not hired, he was bought, brought into slavery for a very powerful person in Egypt. And the Bible says that everything that Joseph did prospered. Whatever he touched turned to gold because the Bible says God was with him. And the Bible says he's also a really good-looking young man. And so what happens one day, he walks in the house and his boss's wife took notice of him and says, Wow, this kid's successful. He has a great personality and man, he has a six-pack of abs. And she says to him, Joe, come sleep with me. And what did Joe say? He didn't take her by the hand and pat her and say, Oh, honey, thank you so much. I am flattered. God bless you. Oh, sister, you know. No, the Bible says he proclaimed, I cannot do this against my God or my master. And he ran. He got out fast. Some things you just got to get out fast. Some things you just got to flee and get out. Laura came home to be with my family uh, a number of years ago for Christmas. And I was raised in a two-bedroom bungalow with one bathroom, about 800 square feet, small Three boys and dogs and cats and guinea pigs and gerbils and piranha, literally piranha. And we will have Christmas there. And now the grandkids come and the great-grandkids come. And in the very small living room that isn't much bigger than what I'm standing on. It's a little bit bigger. I mean, but it's small. We're all in there like crazy, packed in, opening up packages, and dad has this thing where he doesn't want to move out the oversized furniture my brother built him, so you're crowded in there like a bunch of sardines, and I've got a little bit of intimacy issues. I don't like people crowding in on me. I like to hug people, but then I want to get away, and they're crowding in on me, and being at mom and dad's house, the thermostat's about 85, the people's BT used to put at 104, I am sweating and when I say this, Laura can testify to it. I am the shyest of my brothers. I'm actually the lowest talking of my brothers. Wow. See, he's not preaching now. He, he's, he's lying. No, I'm serious. And sitting in that room, standing there, the temperature's rising and the noise is rising, and everything is just closing in on me. You ever have that feeling before? 
and I couldn't take it anymore. Nathan, I mean, I just had to get out of there. And I mean, I, I said, I'm done. And I ran out the door. And Laura, the wise woman that she is, was right behind me. And she goes, where are you going? I have no clue where I'm going. I just got to go. Can I come with you? Yes, just don't talk. We get in the car when we drive over to IHOP, I kid you not, pulled into the parking lot. Is this true? Did we go in and have a pancake? No, it wasn't about the pancakes. I just had to get out. And we pulled over and we parked in front of IHOP and just sat there. About like that. Here's the point. Sometimes you've got to flee. Sometimes you just got to go. You are not Superman. Even Superman had kryptonite. You've got to know your weaknesses. We live in a real world. However, sometimes that means we need to change jobs. Sometimes that means we need to change friendships. And sometimes that means we've got to take the best and manage something the best we can and put a plan into place to help us. That may be opening the door. That may mean skipping the Christmas party because maybe right now you can't handle going right now because there's going to be so much alcohol that you can't handle it. Sometimes you got to do that. Is that clear? Pastor, you're sounding legalistic. I am not sounding legalistic. I'm saying to you, my friends, there's a shark in the water. And I can't just be nice and say, hey, honey, hey, buddy, there's a big fishy out there. Why don't you come and lay down? I got to say, get out. Get out of the water. Get out. It'll never bite me. It's a shark. If you're there, it will. Don't write me letters about sharks. I study them. I love them. I'm using it as an incomplete metaphor. All right, let's go on. That's the negative. Here's the positive. Focus on something better. Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. What captures my attention, what captures my thinking, captures me. So be careful how you think. So what I've got to do is I've got to begin to refocus on something better. So here's what happens. At first is the negative, and that is I keep away from the temptation. But that's not enough. Now I refocus on something better. Be careful how you think. This is called changing the channel. This is called changing what you're concentrating on. This is called shifting your focus and your mind. This is called replacing it. This is the principle of replacement. Because as you know, if all you do is think about the temptation, it's like when you're driving a car and you see those flashing lights on the side, what are you going to do? You're watching and you're going to pull the car right over. Try it. Well, don't try it. Please don't try it. But you look at the lights and you, and you just pull it right over because you're watching it. 
It's like when you're snowboarding. Where your eyes go, that's where your board is going to go. So, so you look because you, you posture with where you're looking at. And what we focus on is what we move to. That's why when you go on a diet and you say, I'm on a diet, I'm going to be on a diet, I'm going to be on a diet, it's the worst thing because all you think about is food the whole time. Or is that just me? And so what you've got to do, you've got to replace it. You've got to put your mind on, I want to be healthy. I want to be productive. I want to be active. And get your mind off the thing. Because when you say, I can't have Budweiser, I can't have Budweiser, every commercial, even on Andy Griffith's show, is going to be Budweiser now. Am I right? Switch the channel. Switch it. Focus on something else. When I was a youth pastor years ago, uh, it was when uh, Christian rock music was the brand new thing. This is going to date me. Have you ever heard of Striper? Remember Striper? John, you just aged yourself, man. Every millennial is going, who is Striper? They're vintage Christian rock, all right? And they wore spandex and they were cool with it, all right? And here's what would happen. We would take our teenagers who were listening to something else that may have been negative connotations of music, and we didn't say, hey, stop, stop listening to that, and then give them a tape of Bill Gaither singing Southern Gospel. Bill Gaither is great, but the kids didn't want to listen to Bill Gaither, so we got them something that was better or equivalent to what they were listening to. It was replacement. And with our thoughts, it's the same way. Philippians 4 and 8, look at these words. It says, Philippians 4, 8, fill your mind with things that are good. Fill your mind with things that deserve praise, things that are true, things that are noble, things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely. Think on things that are honorable. Change your stinking thinking. Change it. And here's what happens. We replace the bad with something good. Don't focus on the food. I can't eat this. Focus on the good of why you're not eating that. Find the good. Here's the reality. Your gas tank is never empty. Never. I have run out of gas, but my gas tank is never empty. It either has air in it, or it has gas in it. There's always a vacuum that's created and things will come into it when it's empty. So here's the reality. Gas replaces the air. The air replaces the gas. One thing is going to go. Change your thinking. Replace this with this. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the way you think. Do you want to change? Change your thinking. Do you want to be translated into the image of God? Renew your thinking. Renew your thoughts. Your thoughts determine your feelings and your feelings determine your behaviors. Deal with your thoughts. R. In the break free. Restore broken relationships. If you've ever gone through the 12-step programs, you, some of you guys are understanding some of this stuff. And realize AA was founded by a pastor, I don't know if you know that or not, on biblical principles. 
Restore broken relationships. Paul writes, as far as your responsibility goes, live at peace with everyone. Take the initiative. Make things right. When you're bitter in an area, it doesn't stay there. That bitterness isn't compartmentalized. It will carry over somewhere else. If you've done someone wrong, make it right. Make restitution. Even if it was 15 years ago, make restitution. If you owe someone an apology, give them an apology. Make it right. I once had an elder years ago that became a Christian in his 20s. And I cannot remember what he stole, but he walked into some hardware store and he stole something I think was worth like 25 cents. It was a nut, it was a bolt, it was a piece of candy, something like that. And years later, he became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ changed his life and he was praying one day and for him, he had a very sensitive conscience and the Lord touched him on the heart and said, go back to that man and make it right. He drove from, from one state to another state. The man was still in business years later. He was now a very old man. And this new Christian walked in and told him what he did when he was a teenager, or younger rather, and how he stole from him and that he was now a Christian and he said his Lord has required him to come back and make things right. The guy thought it was silly. The guy laughed and said, oh, don't worry about it. Kids will be kids. He goes, no, you don't understand. I want to apologize for you. I'm not the same person I was. Now, does God call us all to go back and return a quarter? Most of the things you've done, you can't remember. However, when the Lord says, make it right, and you know when you've got to make it right because it keeps coming back to your heart as I'm talking right now in your mind. And you go and you make it right. And you apologize. And please, when you forgive somebody, never ever do this. I forgive you, Jay, for what you did to me. If you want to fight, apologize that way. I forgive you for what you said to me. You're going to fight me because I just basically said you're wrong and you're messed up and I'm going to forgive you for being messed up. We're talking about you going and saying, I'm sorry for this. And here's what happens. This is likely the hardest step that happens. But what it does show, it does show you are now coming from a private life to where it's just about you and it gets real and now you're starting to come out into the world and saying, hey, something is happening here. Because oftentimes a habit or an addiction or a hurt or a problem doesn't just affect you. When you marry to an addict, that addiction affects the spouse. It affects the children. When someone is out of balance, it hurts the ones around them. Make it right. Apologize. And you can't fix it all, but start there. And say, I, I, I've missed it. Two more. We're going to finish. I'm going to have to run through these. E, enlist a support group. You have one right here. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. We're not against you. We are for you. 
We're not here to push you under. We're here to pull you out. We're here to tell you the truth when you don't want to hear it because we love you. And we're here to love you when you feel broken. And we're here to say to you there is hope and there is life. And you don't have to be beat by the addiction that has enslaved you for the last year, the last 10 years, or the last month. There is hope. And you don't have to live life by yourself, and you don't have to pray by yourself, and you don't have to run by yourself. You're called to be called to be a part of a community, of a pack that hunts together, that fights together, that will defend you. And we're here for you. And I can't be your best friend by myself, but look around you here. You have a body of Christ who have been redeemed, and they have been saved, and they've been set free, and God is working in their lives, and some are further along the journey. And none of us are perfect. None of us. This is not a museum of beautiful artifacts. This is an emergency with blood all over the floors. We're a hospital. But we're here, and with some help, because why? The Bible says two are better than one, because together if one of them falls down, the other can help him. But if someone is alone and fails, there is no one to help them. Here's typically the cycle when we're trying to break free. We typically make a decision, and out of humility, we say, God, I need your help. And, and then we start on that road, and we're in humble submission, and God, I need you. And then you get about six months, seven months into it, and then a sense of pride comes in, and it says, I've got this licked, I've got this beat, I'm making it. And this sense of pride comes in, and we're going to talk about that one of these weeks, about pride. But here's, here's what happens, and that sense of pride causes us to be puffed up and then we don't see the curve in the road anymore we don't see the pothole and we fall right back in it again and the cycle begins again father i need your help i need your help listen you can't make it on your own you can't make it by yourself you were not called to be an orphan christian you were called to be part of a community and listen there are people here that have been down the road and they've gone through marriage struggles and they've gotten through them and they can help you and there are people here who have broken through addictions and they can talk to you about it and help you do it and there are people here who have had a hurt that someone's walked out on them or they've buried a loved one or whatever it is that's the purpose of the church a community that comes around you it's larger than one pastor. It's larger than an elder. It's larger than a team leader. It's the body of Christ around you. And around you, there is so much wisdom and joy and grace around you. And we're rooting for you. Stop saying, I'm going to quit, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Tell somebody. And I believe the last one we're coming to right now is E. Breaking free, I extend myself to others. Second Corinthians 1 and 4 says these words. Christ helps us in all of our troubles so that we are able to help others in trouble using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. If you have missed everything, don't miss this. 
It's God's desire to take your greatest weakness and make it your ministry. God has this way of taking the hurts, the hardships, the hang-ups, and the habits in our lives, and as we give it to Him, He takes it and He uses it for His purposes. God has shaped you with experiences, and God wastes nothing. He doesn't waste a termination. He doesn't waste a divorce. He doesn't waste uh, an addiction. He doesn't waste that unfinished bachelor's degree. He doesn't waste the master's degree you got in your early adulthood. He wastes nothing. When we give it to God, God takes whatever we give Him and He uses it for His purposes. And oftentimes, He takes the most broken things in our lives and you give it to Him and just at the right time, nothing's by happenstance, nothing's by luck, nothing's by chance, but God brings you someone into your life and that part of your story you have never told anybody now comes and it sets that person free. Your scars, he turns into stars. Galatians 6 and verse 1, we're going to wrap it up right here. If a person is trapped in some sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself. You also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. What is he saying there? He's saying when someone else falls, help them. But when you help them, don't look down on them as if you're the Savior and I'm going to help you. He's saying consider yourself. You could do the same thing. Come around them with an attitude of humility. Put your arm around them, not as looking down upon them, but putting your arm around them saying, get out of the water, let's go. And you help them. Amen. Amen. And here's the good news. Bring it up, guys. I know I'm running out of time, but I've got to hit here so we can wrap it up. God keeps His promise. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. At the time you are tempted... He will give you the strength to endure it. Some translation says, give you a way out. And actually, there it is. And so provide you with a way out. When you're tempted, listen carefully. When you're tempted, start looking for the exit sign because it's there. Start looking for the exit sign. You're there. Start looking for it. And his promise is, if you give it to him, he is going to give you the power to overcome. It's an abundant life. It's a joyous life. It is a victorious life we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Tony, if your team will come quietly, my friend, I'm going to pray. And the team comes quietly. Will you guys challenge today? Do you receive the, the rebuke and the love? Let's pray. Make this your prayer 
as I pray this, I pray this for us. Father, we want to begin today. We want to begin to, to quit postponing and procrastinating. Because we know that every day the problem gets worse and it gets harder to change. Lord, we're not going to make excuses anymore or wait for the perfect time. We, we commit to stop excusing ourselves and, and stop accusing others. We cease to blame our parents and our environment, our husbands, our wives, our bad marriage, our boss, our bad breaks. And we accept personal responsibility for our own problems. Lord, we examine our own lives. And Lord, we desire to do an internal audit. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to keep covering up our faults. We don't want to keep hiding our hurts and making it worse. We realize, God, that we'll never get better until we stop denying it. So I thank you that you are a gracious Father and a forgiving God, helping us evaluate our lives. Lord, we admit that oftentimes we try to play God and admit we cannot change our own, and so we humbly ask you, God, for help to change. We invite you to take ownership of our lives, every single part, we want you to control every area of our lives because we know that you are a loving God and you have a wonderful plan for our lives. Lord, guard us from temptation and help us to flee it. Help us to avoid those, those situations where we're tempted. And make, Lord, let us not make any provision for our flesh, but help us to plan in advance. Lord, we're willing to change friends. We're willing to change situations, even jobs, whatever it takes. We want to walk uprightly before you. Lord, change our minds to where we focus on something better, on the good. Lord, turn our thoughts to you and rebuild our thought patterns and re renew our minds. Lord, as we read the Bible, make our spirits strong and replace the bad with the good. And Lord, teach us the truth. Bring people into our lives who love us enough to tell us the truth. And Lord, set us free. Father, we pray for broken relationships that you would restore them. And give us wisdom on how to do that. And, and damage relationships, Lord, we pray that you would help those as well. And where we've caused grief to others, we repent and we say we're sorry, Lord. And we, 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 we ask for your forgiveness there. Lord, give us the initiative and the courage to take, to take and make the first step to ask for forgiveness and to, to make restitution where necessary. Lord, in faith, I want you to ask you to heal our lives and that so you can use us to help other people, Lord, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, Lord, whatever it takes, use us to be a blessing to others. God, take our greatest weakness and use it for your ministry. Lord, we don't hide in shame, we don't hide in guilt, but we bring it before you, out in the open, before you and your people. And we ask for your healing, we ask for your help, we ask for your hope. Restore us and use us that we may help others. Lord, today we claim your promise that for every temptation there is a way out, that we're not victims, that we're not hopeless, but we are overcomers. 
So Lord, make a way out and give your people, give us 